Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris Nicomi Chouse, welcoming you back to another episode. Week 14 is underway and the start of the fantasy football playoffs. Can you believe it? We are at that point. This is do or die fantasy football season. It is win or go home. We need those wins, man. We need those wins. I am not ready to go home just yet. I am not ready to watch from the sidelines. I want to win my championship. I need another trophy on my trophy case. I know you guys do as well. The Start Sit article is out right now on the website, so definitely check that out before you set your lineups. Hopefully we can encourage you uh, uh, with your Start Sit lineups. And, uh, and I mean... Let's get those wins. I mean, there's nothing else to say. Let's get those wins. Week 14, man, we had Thursday Night Football this past Thursday with the L.A. Rams taking on the New England Patriots. Rams were favored by four and a half points. I mean, I took the Rams. How could we not take the Rams, right? I mean, okay, we had the New England Patriots coming off that massive, massive victory against the L.A. Chargers. Uh, What was it? 40-something to zero, I believe, was a score there. But, I mean, coming on a short week, and we knew that was the anomaly. That wasn't the standard when it comes to how the New England Patriots have been playing for majority of the season. I mean, yes, they've been hot. They've, they've been able to string together a bunch of wins to keep themselves in the playoff uh, race. But, I mean, you're going up against the L.A. Rams. You're going up against that massive defense in Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey and company. I mean, what, do, what were we really expecting from Cam Newton and these New England Patriots. I wasn't expecting a whole heck of a lot. I thought there would have been a little bit more competitive from the Patriots side, but I mean, the the Rams had it on lock the entire day. The big news in that contest was the breakout contest from Mr. Cam Akers, rookie Cam Akers. He ran the ball a whopping 29 times. 29 times. We don't see this in the NFL anymore, and it was it was a glorious sight. 171 yards, 5.9 yards per carry. Like, he was just an absolute beast. He caught some uh, work in the pass game as well. Two catches, 23 yards. I mean, it was Cam Akers' day through and through. They had no answers, the Patriots did, on the defensive side. I mean, I went back and I watched this game twice as well. I like to go back and review um, everything that transpires in a game like that, especially for a young rook, because, I mean, I I dove into his tape going back to college when he was playing for Florida, and, I mean, I, I liked what I saw from him back then. And I mean, I get it. I mean, injuries have uh, and and timeshare has derailed the overall outlook of what we could expect from him this season. Already week 14, we haven't seen him break out uh, really at all. I mean, no 100-yard performances, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to double-check that. But it has been that constant timeshare in this backfield um, for for the L.A. Rams. This we kind of got to saw, we, or, or we kind of got to witness, I should say, is, is how good he can be do I believe that this is going to keep going no I mean he still to me isn't that full three down 
uh, workhorse back that's going to be able to sustain this type of workload. I mean, for me, that's as of right now. I mean, my opinion can definitely change based on what we see on the field. I mean, he looked damn good, no question. He looked great on Thursday Night Football. He the thing with him, and I saw it so much in Florida, and, and granted the Florida team at that time, they had a horrible offensive line, did him no favors. So now when you see him with a little bit better of an offensive line, especially with the run game, you, you, you can see what he's able to do. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's very electric. He's got a good acceleration, good burst. And, I mean, he gets the outside extremely well. A lot of his carries were pushed to the outside. If you go back, I mean, there was a handful of carries up the middle. And, I mean, it was, it was chunk yardage by minimal basis. I mean, it wasn't heavy yardage going through the middle. I think he caught one play that was up the middle that caught at least 15 to 20 yards. That was his best run up the middle. Outside of that, everything was going to the outside off the tackles off the off the ends of the guard so I mean it is a concern for me from that perspective only because um, I want to see we've seen running backs of his his ability not learn how to go in between the tackles um, and that and that could be a problem but I mean again it was a weaker defensive unit so I mean it was a good game to unleash him Sean McVay had the plan and he did it he did it absolutely perfectly I mean uh, uh, like I said though I'm not trying to down Cam Akers whatsoever I think his future is going to be bright, but I think we need to temper the expectations because this this 171 yards on 21, 29 carries is not going to be the staple and a standard moving forward. I just don't see that whatsoever. All the other running backs, they they took a nap. They got the day off. Daryl Henderson was the only other back to carry the ball two for five yards, and I mean, that derailed a lot of people in fantasy football as well. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, they were pedestrian. At least Cup saved the day with a touchdown reception. I mean, this 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 hurts. This hurts a lot of people uh, uh, for the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. No kidding, no question. Cam Newton gets benched in this contest once again, and here's the thing. I, I want to talk about Cam Newton just a little bit. So, at the beginning of the offseason, and I went, I bought the hype. I bought it. We saw Cam Newton put out the videos on YouTube saying, you know, working out and saying he was ready. He was primed for a return, primed to show the NFL that he was still a, a legit top quarterback in this league. And I mean, I, I, how could you not? The way that his confidence was supremely high. You couldn't help but watch it and get intrigued. You couldn't help but watch and get excited and believe that he was going to have a bounce back, that he was going to turn around, that his foot injury was behind him, that his shoulder injury was behind him. And for the most part, I mean, he hasn't found his way to the medical room, but you can see with every throw he makes, there is something wrong with his throwing arm. I mean, with his shoulder, you you, you can't deny it. I mean, the, the throwing motion is so far leaps and bounds beyond what he used to be. It's it's altered uh, to allow him to continue to play. But there's no way I can see this if if this is going to be his consistent throwing motion. I just don't see it anymore. I mean, when he when he cocks his arm back and he lets it loose to throw the football, I mean that's what's that's why the passes are underthrown. That's why they're errant and they're and they're not looking good. He's not looking sharp whatsoever. He goes nine for sixteen for 119 yards, had an interception, was sacked four times. He just there was no answers. There was no answers for this defense. Uh, this is not the New England Patriots of the past. We know this. Changing of the guard is happening right in front of our eyes, and I mean, there's not many positives to take from um, of that from that game for the New England Patriots whatsoever. Rams take them down twenty four to three. We cover the spread on that one. Start the week off on a positive note, and I and I'll take it. I'll take it. 
Jumping into Sunday, we have a slew of games, of course, to dissect this week, and we'll start with the Houston Texans, favored minus one and a half, going to Chicago to face those Bears. The Bears, man, they dropped that game last week, unfortunately, late because of a Trubisky turnover. I mean, that was just unfortunate. Another mistake, and this has been the problem with Mitchell Trubisky throughout his entire career. I mean, he hasn't been able to close out many games. Turnovers continue to be the problem. But the Bears looked a lot better. We have to admit, the Bears on offense looked so much better. The The resurgence of David Montgomery back on the field, he is running full. He is, what, back-to-back 20-point-plus PPR games, just, just playing fantastic football right now. His schedule for fantasy football, he is going to be a league winner, no question in my mind. I think they're going to ride him. I think uh, uh, the scheme right now is appropriate. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky brings back the ability for the RPO. He brings back the threat of running the football like Nick Foles never could. Obviously, he's a statue back there, but but Trubisky is that guy that is is now allowing um, once again David Montgomery to find open lanes, to find open holes, and against weaker defenses, it is it is clear that that David Montgomery is is able to uh, to run free. And and I mean, seeing Houston coming into this contest as a favorite is a little bit of a question mark to me. I I. I mean, okay, that defense hadn't played well in in the past two weeks. They're they're taking something back, and I don't get why. They're not getting enough pressure on the quarterback. You know, the secondary isn't playing as sharp, and that is a concern. That is a definite concern, especially when you're going up against a guy like Deshaun Watson. Um, For me, though, when you look at this Houston Texan offense, now we heard got news that David Johnson is not playing this week due to COVID. He is in the protocol. He will not suit up this week. We got to fire back up Duke Johnson PPR formats. If you have them, I I think it's a safe play. I think he could get you at least 10 points simply because of the catching uh, uh, prowess. Kiki Kuti, man, we got to talk about this boy. He had a day last week, right? Uh, we we knew Will Fuller. He is he is out. PED suspension. He is gone for the remainder of the season. Kiki, do you love me? Comes into play. He takes a bunch of targets. He has a very very good day. Will he back that up once again? And I think he could. I really do. And it's it's a little bit of a question mark for any analyst to uh, fall back and say the exact same player is going to feast back-to-back weeks. I don't know if it's going to be as successful, but I think the target share is going to be consistent. I mean, Brandon Cooks, he's going to pull the top coverage Every single week, you're not going to see top coverage coming towards Kiki whatsoever. So this is going to be Deshaun Watson's uh, uh, defecto uh, secondary read, and he's going to see the he's going to see the balls coming his way. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. I mean, we're we're going to see how this offense is going to continue to move this way. Now without David Johnson, I think the target share could be uh, inflated that much more, going towards perhaps Duke and Kiki even more. Maybe we see the tight end mixed into this a little bit. But I really, really question why Vegas is true. Well, this is a bait spread. This is a trap. If, if you're taking the Houston Texans on this one uh, to favor by basically two points, I, I don't like it. I, I don't like it whatsoever. It's in Chicago, long travel, um, cold weather. I don't like it whatsoever. I think that the Bears have something now offensively that they can move the ball properly. If the defense can actually show up and make a couple stops, I think we could see a very uh, good day for the Bears. Uh, Deshaun Watson's going to get his chances, no question. Um, but I but I like the Bears in this contest a lot. I think they pull this one out. Next one we have is the Tennessee Titans, minus 7 
and a half taking travel to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars. These Jaguars, hey? These Jaguars, they are playing much better than what people are giving them credit for, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They are making some plays. They are keeping this team in games. Mike Glennon, he comes in. He's resurrected his career, apparently. He wants to continue to play in this league. He's been looking sharp these last few games in relief. He is now, what, 515 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions in his starting time in Jacksonville. You can't hate it. You can't hate what he's doing. He's a, he's moving the ball down the field. He's spreading the ball around. The run game is going behind James Robinson. He is likely to crack 1,000 yards in this game. He's got seven touchdowns on his own. It's now about who is the top receiving option in Jacksonville. I mean, DJ Chark has kind of uh, fallen off. Injuries have derailed his outlook moving forward right now. Keelan Cole still in the mix. You got that rookie coming in, uh, Colin Johnson, I believe his name is. I mean, there's a lot of weapons on this team. Tyler Eifert now. I mean, so when you have a quarterback of Mike Glennon's um, ability, and, and we knew this. I mean, he's not a sound quarterback to say that he's going to do anything special in this league, but he's very serviceable because he has a strong arm. He's going to be able to spread the, the defense. He's going to be able to move the ball, and that's what we saw. We even saw it last week with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, it, w- it was no different than the game previously to that. So when we're talking about them going up against the Titans who totally dropped an egg uh, against the, the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield threw four touchdowns in that first half. I mean, I think that is also an anomaly because this is a Titans team that is very strong. Any team can have a letdown week to week uh, if a game plan is that superb, and I think that's kind of what happened. I think they got smacked in the mouth because they just weren't prepared. Uh, for the Cleveland Browns. I think that they believed they would run the ball with supreme efficiency, and and they didn't, and Baker Mayfield took advantage of it. And and when you can't adjust on the fly in-game, that's what happens to you. You, you, you. you literally lose everything. You lose your confidence. You lose your momentum, and, and look at that score, how it was inflated very quickly. This is a get-right game, 100%. Tennessee needs to do everything on point. They got to get Derrick Henry rolling, which I believe they will. Um, that's still a big problem for Jacksonville. They give up a ton of yardage again on the ground. Derrick Henry should be the main uh, attraction in this contest. Ryan Tannehill, he's had a very good season so far. Very efficient. You know, he's almost at 3,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, only five interceptions. I like Tannehill in this contest as well. I think his floor is extremely safe fantasy football-wise if you're going to play him. I think he's a good, good bet to play put up at least anywhere from 18 to 22 points. I think it's going to be a a good day for him. I think a lot of, like I said, a lot of the volume is going to go towards Derrick Henry. He's going to have a field day, in my opinion. He always loves to play the Jacksonville Jaguars, and especially late into the season, he is going to beast off every single defender he can, and he's going to have a very, very sound day. One question mark, A.J. Brown, we saw he is dealing with an injury. He was a question mark. He did not practice on Thursday. I believe he got at least a limited session in on Friday, so he is looking like he's ready to go. But Corey Davis, man, I believe the last five weeks, if I'm not mistaken, one of my colleagues actually pointed that out. He is the leading receiver in yardage in the last five weeks in the NFL. That is astonishing. And, I mean, he's been getting targets. This is how it's been. So if you have Corey Davis with a uh, playing in your in your lineup and it's with a 
A.J. Brown, who's less than 100%. We could see another banner day from Corey Davis as well. I think you fire him up 110%. If if A.J. Brown is playing, you definitely can't bench him, especially against this Jaguars defense, who is susceptible to giving up the pass. you got to do it. you got to play it. I took the Titans to cover the spread 7.5. I am taking that to the bank. Next one I have is the Denver Broncos taking on the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. Panthers are favored by a field goal in this contest. I think that was a little generous by Vegas. I really do. I think that the odds makers are trying to um, convince us that coming off the bye and playing at home is the reason why the, the Panthers will win this game. I'm not necessarily buying it simply because we thought Christian McCaffrey was going to play. That would have changed my mind. DJ Moore is out of this contest. He's on the COVID list protocol list as well. He is not there. So you're left with uh, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, who can definitely move the ball. And, and then you're going to be rolling with Mike Davis. So why do I not like this spread is because the Carolina Panthers defense is uh, is not very strong. I mean, we've seen them get gashed over and over this season. The Denver Broncos are still trying to figure out what they are offensively. They don't really seem to have an identity. The 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 run game should be the, the primary source of offensive power in this contest. I like Melvin Gordon a lot this week. If you got Gordon, you got to fire him up. Don't fade him whatsoever because he is going to have a very good day, I believe. I think that Drew Locke still, I mean, they they played the Kansas City Chiefs last well uh, last week very well. I I think that there was a lot of positives. But I still, and I got to talk about this because I still don't understand why you cannot integrate Jerry Judy in this offense, okay? And I saw a lot of Twitter heat coming on on Judy this week. I didn't like it. I think the story needs to be told. We have, and I'm not, a, you guys know this, I'm not opposed to analytics whatsoever. I use that in my evaluations all the time. I'm, I'm full on with statistics. I'm full on with next gen stats. I love it all. I think it adds to how you can analyze these players and make the predictions that much better, but you have to watch these games. I'm an added avid, uh, 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 NFL watcher. I watch as many games as I can. If I miss some parts of these contests, I go back and I rewatch them. This is just what I do. I'm, I'm a football junkie through and through And when you watch what the Denver Broncos are doing, so PFF, Pro Football Focus, had Jerry Judy as the worst wide receiver when it comes to quarterback rating. And that's a a flawed statistic in my opinion, only because it it doesn't tell the full story. And, and, And that's what I'm saying about analytics. If you take it for what it is, it's just giving you another example on how to identify the inadequacy in some of these players. Okay, and and when you're talking about someone like Jerry Judy, we know his skill set. He's an elite talent. He's an elite prospect. His is bar none unbelievable. He was considered the the most pro ready. I still thought Ceedee Lamb was above him, but Jerry Judy was my number two coming out of this draft at the wide receiver position. Uh, Justin Jefferson was my number three. Um, but, but when you look at what is happening, I think I, I looked at the stats earlier today before the show and Judy has about what 86 targets and only like 38 receptions. And then PFF comes out with a, with a stat saying, you know, 51% uh, uh, quarterback rating to his direction. 
That does not tell the whole story. Everyone on Twitter that I saw was that was talking about this topic was was saying that he's a bust, and and it doesn't, or maybe not necessarily a bust, but he is underwhelming, and and it's not good for his progression. And they're saying perhaps you know just being a a, a good route runner doesn't translate in the NFL to be a good receiver. I'm not buying it only because that tells me you're a box score watcher. You're not watching the contest. If you watch the games and what the Denver Broncos are doing, a lot of this has to do with quarterback play more often than just the drop passes. Yes, I'm not making excuses for Judy. He has drops this year. He is one of the highest in drop rates for rookie wide receivers this year and maybe even uh, tops in the league when it comes to wide receivers in general of 60 catches. But it's not all on him. The majority of the throws that are coming to his direction are uncatchable. If you go and look at that statistic, you'll see it. It is the flip. If the drop rate was higher than than the, the catchable passes then my argument is flawed. Then I have no leg to stand on, but it's actually the flip. The, the uncatchable passes compared to his drop rate, the uncatchable passes are the higher higher problem, meaning quarterback play from either Drew Locke or a backup is the problem. And we saw it. We saw it against the Kansas City Chiefs. Drew Locke didn't even look in Judy's direction that entire contest. They, it's Whether it's a chemistry issue, whether it's a scheming issue, I don't know because Judy was wide open on so many, so many plays. Go back and watch the film. You will see how many times Jerry Judy shook his defender. He was wide open and Drew Locke didn't even look in his direction. So how can you criticize that? And Judy went on Twitter after the game and said, well, at least I got my conditioning in. So that totally tells you and me that this is a a problem that isn't being called out and it definitely should be. I'm calling it out. I had to rant a little bit because I still believe that Jerry Judy is a very good talent in this league. He will be a good player. Just, you know, give it some time. Some of these guys take a little bit of time to understand the schemes, the offense. Maybe that's the problem as well. But I, I like the Broncos in this one. I'm taking them th- uh, plus three. I think they're going to they're gonna kill this spread. They're gonna, they may not win, but I, I think they're going to kill this spread. Next game we have is the Dallas Cowboys taking travel to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. Coming off their loss against the Baltimore Ravens on Tuesday night football, I believe it was. You know, the Dallas Cowboys, they... They are a very, very unfortunate bunch. They have so many injuries. They have so much money sitting on the the injured reserve. Clearly, Dak Prescott's injury, we knew this was going to derail the entire outlook of this team, and it has. But, I mean, Andy Dalton is not terrible, okay? He's not a bad quarterback. He's, He's, like I was saying about Mike Glennon, Andy Dalton is very serviceable, and I think he's above Mike Glennon in that respect. He can move this offense if uh, Mike McCarthy could get out of his own way. I think Mike McCarthy is the bigger problem for this offense than than a lot of people want to suggest that it is. I think it, it truly is. Zeke Elliott has been a problem, but I've I've said this like even what five weeks ago. I I knew based on the upcoming schedule, especially for fantasy football, you needed to fade Zeke Elliott more than anything because not only was his fumbleitis killing him, killing you in the stack column the the offensive line just wasn't opening up holes and he just wasn't running full whatsoever he looked better last week i'll give him credit for that now he has a great matchup against the cincinnati Bengals. this is probably the last time you can confidently play zeke elliott in fantasy football this season i I, i'm i'm not going to even sugarcoat that one bit you cannot after this week this is this is the only game that you can take advantage of where you drafted him to actually gain that points get you into the semifinals if you're playing this week um outside of that his schedule is very tough again and and i'd I'd be shocked if he if he produces a lot of good uh, good numbers there dallas is like i said favored by three and a
Zach uh, Zach Taylor, the head coach, we heard rumor that should he be fired, and I think that's a bad move. I mean, he's a young guy, second season. Give them time to build. I do not like this one bit. When the general manager doesn't promote the, the offensive and defensive builds on this roster, what are you really expecting a head coach to do? Zach Taylor is not a bad head coach. He comes from the Mike uh, or Sean McVay uh, uh, coaching tree. He's a very intelligent offensive mind. He will do very good things with this offense once he gets the appropriate pieces back on the field. I mean, offensive line is key. It, it got Joe Burrow sent to the injured reserve with that torn ACL for the season. I mean, that offensive line is priority number one. Joe Mixon, continuous uh, health issues in the medical room year after year. That is a problem. That needs to be evaluated. You have receivers in Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. I mean, A.J. Green has likely played his last season in Cincinnati, but I mean, you have youthful pieces that you can build around on this Big, big mistake if you allow Zach Taylor to leave. I think he'll be scooped up by another team. When it comes to the Cowboys, this is a, a, a feeling that, you know, we could see them take advantage of the quarterback situation. I haven't gotten word. I haven't seen anything that had said Brandon Allen is going to play in this game. We could see Ryan Finley. So, I mean, it, it, it's basically like moving deck chairs around, uh, in my opinion. I, I don't see one of them being an upgrade over the other at this point. Finley does have a little bit more chemistry being with the club last year, so maybe that's a lift in that department. But Dallas is too loaded with offensive talent. I mean, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper and company with, uh, with the running uh, – ability of Zeke I think that they they do good things Cincinnati should be able to move the ball in this Dallas Cowboys defense I won't be surprised if it's a little bit close but I believe I took the Cowboys in this contest to cover and 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 win this contest I don't see the Bengals winning this game Next one we have is the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Miami Dolphins. Two attack of Aloha back in action. He will be facing Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City travels to Miami. That's probably the only thing I can say that is a little bit worrisome. Outside of that, I mean, I you, you how can you bet against the Kansas City Chiefs at this point? You can't. They they are a club that is so damn good that when you watch them, even when they stumble in their first quarter, they they come out the gates a little slow, which is which is kind of weird. I, I would fully expect if they could finally get the run game going, they would they would really like to control the first quarter and then open things up in the in the second, third, and fourth. I think that's how Kansas City is trying to be, but the running game has just not been uh, what we had expected. I'm a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fan, um, but at this point, he is not going to give you what you're looking for on the ground uh, right now. That's not to say that he can't improve either. I, I, I like his skill set. I always liked him. I liked him in LSU. He was a good running back. The Le'Veon Bell thing, I mean... <sighs> It's just, you know, they are a running back away. If, if if they could finally get this running game going, we saw it in the Super Bowl last year. We saw it during their playoff run. When you can get the running game moving, Damian Williams, he played extremely well in that playoff run. That's what allows Patrick Mahomes to have a little bit of an easier time and, and just carve up defenses that much more. Travis Kelsey right now is playing out of his damn mind. You watch this guy. He is just, he's, he's stiff-arming everybody to the ground. Like that last game, what he did, 
to that defensive back was just uh, uh, unbelievable. Complete stiff arm over the middle after, like, get out of my way and, and locks him to the ground. He is he is in, still, in my opinion. I know the argument is out there, George Kittle versus uh, Travis Kelsey, who's the best. I'm still going uh, Travis Kelsey. I think he's just too good. He's too dominating in the pass game. Um, is Kittle a better blocker? Sure. Is he the, the more rounded tight end? Absolutely. But I'm, I'm not going away from Travis Kelsey whatsoever. I think he is the best in the business. When it comes to Miami, I, I mean, seven-point spread for the Chiefs, I'm taking that spread as well. I mean, is it a bait that, you know, Miami could uh, come back late and kill this in garbage time? Perhaps. Um, but I'm not overly worried. I think Miami is still... <sighs> I don't want to say pretending because that makes me sound like I'm a hater and I'm not. I like the pieces Miami has. I just think that their ascension is a little bit premature. I think that they still need the understanding of what it takes to win in this league. Their schedule has been soft. And if we start discussing how uh, decent this this uh, Miami Dolphins roster is right now, they should be beating these lesser teams. Okay, You have a good run game. You have a defense on the rise playing extremely well. So, you know, when it comes to this contest, you you see Xavier Howard and, and Byron Jones, they're going to have their hands full with Tyree Kill and company. I mean, I don't think they have a player that's going to stop Travis Kelsey whatsoever. I think Kelsey has a banner day once again as well. I think he goes off. Uh, when it comes to Tyree Kill, we know he could get, get by these defensive backs. He's got speed for days. But that's going to be a little bit of a tougher proposition. So, I mean... I still believe Mahomes and company. They're gonna they're gonna roll. I don't I don't see a whole heck of a lot coming from Miami in this one outside of garbage time. I don't like uh, Devontae Parker this week again. Garbage time is the only situation where I see the target share will be there. But if he's gonna find his way into the end zone, it's gonna be in the late stages of the game where it doesn't really matter. I'm going the Chiefs. I think they roll. I think they play extremely well. They win the contest. Next one is the Arizona Cardinals taking travel to New York to face the Giants. They are favored two and a half points right now ah this one gives me headaches this one gives me headaches for days what the cardinals have lost three in a row four in a row there there's a problem miami broke kyler murray um in the sense that everyone in the league now has the playbook now has the blueprint on how to stop and stifle what kyler murray does best and that is run with the ball we haven't seen this over the last several weeks where Kyler takes off and runs. We haven't, and and that's a concern. Um, is it perhaps that his shoulder injury um, is forcing him to stay in the pocket? Is is it caution? Is it I don't want to take a hit and be out? I mean, that, that could come into play as well. Um, but what we see of this New York Giants club, the defense is clearly – uh, head and shoulders above what they were last year. We I've spoken about this. Bradbury and Martinez, the the two defensive picks, linebacker, defensive back from free agency. Those were massive for this unit. Massive. It completely changed everything that they're allowed to do for Joe Judge, head coach. I mean, he's able to uh, scheme up systems with his with his defensive coordinator that are just fabulous. Martinez is all over the field. Bradbury is an island. I saw, I believe it was last week, Bradbury, what a play. I, I, man, and you're talking elite defensive backs, like the ones that can tackle, like uh, uh, the Denny Green back in the days, you know, uh, Antoine Winfield back in the day. These were the guys that played defensive back right on the corner, and they could tackle a running back coming at him full. 
Bradbury leapt over his coverage man. He was falling to the ground, one-armed the running back or wide receiver on the screen, and, and dislodged the ball with one arm falling the opposite direction. One of the best plays I have seen individually by a defensive back in this league in a very long time. He is truly a baller. I'm really worried for the Cardinals in this game. I think I took the Cardinals to take the spread, but only because Daniel Jones is back. And and what Daniel Jones does do to this club is he provides turnover ratio bar none. He will give up the ball. Um, when you have guys like Buda Baker back there, you know, you got that rookie Isaiah Simmons. He's coming up now. He's a, he's a full-on beast playmaker as well. I think that they get turnovers if, if Jones is starting in this contest. If it's Colt McCoy, it's a little bit more like the Alex Smith game management, nickel and dime you down the field. Wayne Gallman, though, he is the X factor in this contest. Again, he has been playing lights out for you fantasy football-wise. Nothing under, I believe, 13 points in the last like six weeks with a ceiling of like 19 um, if you picked up Gallman off the waiver wire, he also could be a league winner for you. He has just been playing fabulous football at the running back position. But what do you do with Kyler? I have a situation in one of my leagues. I have Kyler Murray. I have Justin Herbert. And this one was really tricky. I mean, how in, how in the hell can you bench Kyler Murray for anybody? How can you do it? We know at any given time he can start throwing darts to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. We know he can take off with the football. But what scares me the most is what the Giants were able to do to the Seattle Seahawks last week. They were able to shut down Russell Wilson. I mean, yes, Russell took off. He got about, what, just over 40 yards rushing in that contest. But, I mean, this scares me because it's the exact same game plan that's going to be used to, that was used to stop Russell Wilson will be used to stop Kyler Murray. Russell Wilson is a much more efficient uh, thrower at this point than Kyler is. So, I mean, I'm concerned. I'm really concerned, you know, and and when you talk about Justin Herbert, we'll get to the Chargers game, but, I mean, when you talk about having that other top-end option, it's it's a very tough thing not to take. I mean, this is the playoffs. We can't lose, man. I'm not going home. I need to to set my lineup proper. So it's a tough one. I, I still think, you know what, the Cardinals are in desperation mode. I mean, even if the Giants lose this game, this division is so tight based on poor records that it's it's still truly anybody's division. Um, so if they if they drop this one, they're still not out of it. But if the Cardinals drop it, I mean, it, it, it could be the end of the season for them based on the division they play in. I think they play hot. I think they play on fire. Do not like the, the West-East travel, but I mean... I think Kyler's got to do something. It's it's not going to be the best day, I think, for him, but I think he's going to have to do something very special to get that win. Next one we have is the Minnesota Vikings taking travel to Tampa Bay, coming off the bye, minus six and a half favored to these Tampa Bay or to these Minnesota Vikings. Excuse me. This is this is a get right game too, and 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 Tom Brady needs this game. They have not played extremely well this season. We've seen flashes. We have. The flashes with Tom Brady and this offense have been there. They're 7-5. and five. This is a must-win for Tampa Bay. New Orleans is in the driver's seat in this division. Tampa will have nothing really to say outside of a, a, a losing streak for the Saints. Tampa Bay is going to be getting in on a wild card if they don't blow it. Tom Brady's frustration with this offense is continuity, is chemistry. This is it. If he had a full offseason of of preparation, we could see a better, much more well-rounded club. What I do like 
is the dedication to the ground game. Is Ronald Jones um, going to play well? Is he going to be consistent? That is the question mark week in, week out. I mean, he's shown that he is, he is capable of carrying the ball uh, with high volume. You know, you have Leonard Fournette in the in the wings, waiting in the wings. He's now dropping passes. That's not helping your offense. But this kind of feels like, you know, the Minnesota Vikings defense isn't isn't stout, isn't superb. They have holes all over their secondary. This just has the feeling. It's six and a half points. This has the feeling to look like Tom Brady's just going to want to spread it around. He's going to want to try to hit all his receivers, get that chemistry. We could see, and I, I think we will see it. I think this is the Antonio Brown touchdown. He finally gets back in the end zone, graces everybody with his dancing, you know, with his thrusting. I think that's what we're going to see. Um, but I, I think this is definitely the get right game. You know, they're playing at home. They're coming off the bye. Minnesota, you know, they're trying. They're dog. They're in dogfights every week now. I mean, you got to give it to, to the coaching staff, Mike Zimmer and company, when it comes to uh, how well Kirk Cousins has played. And I, and I think a lot of people give him too much disrespect. Kirk Cousins has played extremely well, especially over the last six weeks. This is the formula, much like we see with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, it's the same type of system. Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski. I mean, it's like one and two. They're 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 or one and one. They're both the same guy. And and when you run Dalvin Cook, he is the primary source. And we've seen Dalvin get shut down versus top run defense, and this is the best in the business. This is the toughest defense they will face all year against the run. And I'm curious. I really want to see if Dalvin can actually take that next step versus a, a powerful unit like this and if he can carry and put the team on his back. I want to see it. That's what I'm looking for in this contest. When that run game gets going, that's when Kirk Cousins is playing at his best football. The play-action pass, you know, everything just opens up to that point. When you can pull the safeties down, that's when Justin Jefferson is feasting. That's when Adam Thielen is going over intermediate. And that's when the, the open lanes in the zone are being found i mean this is the staple of this offense if they can't get dalvin cook going oh good lord i think this could be a very long day for minnesota uh the turnovers will come if, if kirk is forced just based on how they've they've kind of morphed him into because we saw the washington days kirk cousins threw for over four thousand yards he was a gunslinger man if he threw four picks in a game he was still out there tossing uh, tossing balls everywhere this is not his staple anymore Okay, the coaching staff has kind of railed that in, uh, reined it in, I should say, and uh, you know they're, they're, they've put him in, into a little bit more of a controlled quarterback. That you know you don't have to do everything to win contests. We have supportive pieces like the Dalvin Cooks to help you out. It's not all on your shoulders, but if they get behind early in this game. Oh, man, I think we're going to see lots of turnovers from uh, Kirk Cousins because this Tampa defense is still very good. It's very good indeed. I think I'm taking this spread as well. I think that Tampa Bay, uh, they, they, they come out really hard in this game. They want to prove something, and they're going to do it against this Vikings team. Next one we have is the Indianapolis Colts, favored by a field goal as well, taking on the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. I don't like this spread again. I think that Vegas is definitely undervaluing what the Indianapolis Colts are. And it's it's a stigma on Phillip Rivers. And, and let me be the first to remove that stigma from you because even from the fantasy football perspective, which is completely different than the on-field action, 
he is putting up numbers and he is not necessarily turning the ball over with high frequency right now. He is playing extremely well and good football. Give the man respect, okay? He is not what he used to be. I'll give you that. It's not the Phillip Rivers that it was with LT, with LaDainian Tomlinson back in San Diego. It is not the same guy. But he has adjusted. He has altered his level of play, and he is still playing very well. Again, like I say, same evaluation I give to Kirk Cousins, I give to Phillip Rivers because it's in that same realm. If the team is behind and Phillip Rivers has to throw, that's when the turnovers are going to come. If they can remain in this balanced scheme and system that Frank Wright continues to even uh, 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 develop and and. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An increase in in scheming possibility, I guess, is the best way. I'm lost for words. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm lost for words. But when you see what Frank Reich is doing, so now two weeks in a row, we see T.Y. Hilton finally back in action. The man lives. He's alive. T.Y. Hilton is back. He goes off against the Texans. I mean, but that's a standard. He goes off. One of my colleagues, he called that out. I give him big props for that one. But now what you're seeing, where I'm going with this, let me let me let me break this down. So at the beginning of the season, they were more run heavy, right? It was it was trying to get Jonathan Taylor involved. The evolution of Naheem Hines in the past game, okay? This was the 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 beginning of something. T.Y. Hilton still wasn't involved. Then it was the use of the tight end, so that all three tight ends were getting involved. So now you were a balanced team to the point of, okay, we don't necessarily use our wide receivers. We're a running team, ground and pound, and we, we play action to the tight end. Now Michael Pittman comes back from injury. Now he's starting to be a mismatch over the middle, playing the slot, playing the outside. He's he's being moved around on this uh, offensive line, which I think is absolutely genius. When you go back to his USC tape, Michael Pittman I'm speaking of, he primarily played the outside. We barely saw any film of him playing in the slot, which was crazy. Frank Reich has found something. Okay, he has found the ability to use this big man in the slot, go over the middle short, go intermediate, and he's just making plays. The thing with Michael Pittman, he's not going to kill you with his burst, but once he gets that ball in his hand, that is when his yak yardage comes. He is very good with the ball in his hand after the catch. Very good. Now you integrate T.Y. Hilton again the last two weeks. Now you're starting to see the snowball effect. You know what I'm saying? Now you're starting to understand that this team is starting to, to... uh, form at the right time when you're when you're coming close to the NFL playoffs. Okay, now Jonathan Taylor starting to pick it up. Naheem Hines continues to have the role. Everything is coexisting. Everything is coexisting, and and now it becomes extremely important for the defenses to understand what it is you're doing, and they can't get what you're doing because you're so dynamic and multifaceted. Everything is an option. I love this offense. I do. I think that if Jonathan Taylor continues to run the way he is, he he looked very good last week. I, I it, best I've seen him all season. No question. He's looking for contact. He's he's getting to the holes. He's getting to the lanes. Vision looks good. He's not just dropping at the first sign of contact. I, I thought it was a fabulous game. We saw the burst off his big touchdown. I mean, it was great, fantastic. When it comes to the Raiders, I'm a little bit skittish now. I I can't. And that's a that's a that's a tough statement. I I, I want to say I cannot get on board at this point. I really can't. Josh Jacobs is injured. There's lots of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. You know, week in week out, we don't know now what you're gonna get. You know, Derek Carr goes uh, against the Falcons. He has a 
dog awful day. And then he comes back. He plays better against the New York Jets. They only pull it out with a last second Hail Mary toss because of a bad defensive call uh, to Henry Ruggs. I mean, come on. Um, I, 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 I don't, I'm very much confused, bewildered. I just, whatever you want to call it, I, I am falling off the wagon with these Raiders. I think this could be a good squad. They have a good foundation. They have good pieces on this team, youthful, talented, like raw, real talent on this club. But I think they're about a year or two away from doing anything spectacular and without Josh Jacobs. And even if he does play, he's way less than hundred percent. And that scares me to death fantasy football wise, especially going up against this run defense and DeForest Buckner who have been playing lights out. I'm taking the Colts all day long. New York jets is the next one taking travel to the Seattle Seahawks. They blew that lead. Like I said, Oh my goodness. But I mean, it was, it was, to be expected, right? They are they are tanking for for Trevor Lawrence, uh, Clemson product in the next year's draft. This that was that was definitely a, a tank play, and unfortunately, Greg Williams he lost his job for it. Adam Gase tried to save it, um, but nevertheless, let's move into this week's contest. They go to Seattle. They face the Seahawks. Hawks are favored by fourteen points, two touchdowns. I don't like the spread. I really don't. And 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 when I say that, the, the theme of the show apparently is get right, man. We got to get these teams to get right. And this is a get right game for Russell Wilson. Two straight weeks we've seen anemic showings. Hasn't been top notch from Russell Wilson. Hasn't been top notch from this offense overall. It is a concern in my eyes. But when you now you're going back home, comfortable confines of your home stadium, you're going up against an inferior uh, opponent in the New York Jets. I mean, what can we really say? Do we believe that the Jets are going to compete in this contest? No, no way, man. I mean, the Jets were able to compete against the Raiders because of injury, because of similar levels of talent on the rosters at this moment. But when you're talking like this, and I mean, Jamal Jamal Adams, this is the big one. He's going up. This is revenge game for Jamal Adams. If you want to watch a contest, you watch this one whenever Seattle has the ball on defense, uh, or they don't have the ball and they're on defense, I should say you watch jamal adams because i think he's gonna have a monster day monster he's gonna be all over the field he's gonna want to stick it to his former club he's gonna let these guys know in seattle he's gonna be working with coach carroll all week long telling them the uh, ins and outs of the system of the playbook i think you know what i was grudgingly um debating this spread and taking it 14 points is a lot for any team um it can be killed late at any point sam darnold is going to be throwing the ball a lot especially if they go down early so i mean 14 points i never like taking spreads like this i think i caved and i took it um only because i think that russell wilson has a massive day they don't have anything to stop dk metcalf i like tyler lockett a lot i think this is a big game big bounce back game for him we've been waiting a while for him to, to break out again but, I mean, I think Seattle takes it to, to the New York Jets. This this shouldn't be close whatsoever. Seahawks all the way in this one. Green Bay. The Green Bay Packers are playing lights-out football right now. They are 9-3 and three, going to Detroit to face the Lions. Lions get a gift last week. Like I mentioned, Mitchell Trubisky fumbled the ball late in the game, and they turned that into, into a touchdown, won the contest, I believe, 34-30. It was a good showing. I mean, I picked Detroit to win that contest last week. And I mean, outside of that final play, I would have missed it. But I mean, hey, this is this is why we play and watch the games, right? This is what happens. But when you got the Green Bay Packers, they're favored by eight points in this game. Green Bay is playing 
as good a football as anybody else in this league at this level. Aaron Rodgers is in the MVP category, but he's not even being spoken about. This is this is a travesty. I mean, 33-95 yards, 36 touchdown passes, only four interceptions. This team is 9-3. and three. How is he not being spoken about in the MVP race at this point? How? I mean, that's disrespectful. And, and no wonder Aaron Rodgers gets pissed off all the time. We, we see him angry all the time whenever people start talking about other quarterbacks and they don't, they don't give him the due credit, and, and he should. This season, I mean, him and Devontae Adams is, is nearly automatic. Whenever he throws, it's being caught. Devontae Adams is just unbelievable. One of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the league at the moment. His route running is spectacular. We even saw him get physical with Darius Slay uh, last week, like a huge stiff arm to score that touchdown. Then you add Aaron Jones into the mix. He is playing extremely well. It looked like, you know, Coach Matt LaFleur was kind of saving Aaron Jones the last couple weeks, and he kind of let him loose last week, which was which was good. And I think that's kind of going to be the staple again this week. Detroit really struggles to stop the ball. I don't foresee them being in this contest for very long, but I do see Matthew Stafford fighting. Matthew Stafford is that type of guy. He is never going to quit. He's never going to give up. They do now have the new coach, uh, the interim head coach, Matt Patricia, no longer there. We saw how that lifted the bench, how we how it lifted the entire roster, and and, and they came out and said it. I mean, that, that's pretty sad to say if you're Matt Patricia, you're hearing these words where your, your former team is saying that the culture change uh, overnight was with you gone uh, is night and day better. And and that's that, that's sad. I mean, I never like to hear that, but obviously you weren't doing something right, Coach Patricia, in that respect. And and, and now the players, they, they respond to something new and a different positive outlook. And, and that's kind of what could be feeding this Detroit Lions team at this moment. You can't ever take out the human factor. You really can't. Um, because in that sense, the, this, this is what drives guys to play really hard if they believe in somebody's system. But I mean, eight points is a little bit difficult for me to to believe won't be covered only because the firepower for the the Green Bay Packers this one I didn't like either I I believe I took the Packers to cover this one also but I'm taking it with a little bit of uh, with a grain of salt where where um, Detroit I won't be shocked whatsoever if they kill this spread because of how the offense plays Kenny Galladay has been ruled out again I am so upset with that because I was uh, wishing we could see him return to action uh, DeAndre Swift appears to be on track to play but I mean he could be less than 100% so watch that for fantasy as well Alan Lazard is a name to watch in this contest I think he has a very, very good day, a secondary option. I think he plays extremely well. Next one we have is the Atlanta Falcons, uh, favored by one and a half points, taking travel to L.A. to face the Chargers. These poor Chargers, man, they can't get out of their own way for living. Like, seriously, how do you lose 45 to nothing to the New England Patriots who just got spanked by the L.A. Rams? Your team is not that bad. This L.A. Charger team is full of talent, especially offensively. They have Justin Herbert, and this is this is kind of my, my concern. This is where I kind of paused a little bit. He hasn't played well the last few weeks, okay? And, and we joke, we kid. I mean, he cut his hair. He had the locks like sunshine from Remember the Titans, and he cut his hair, and now all of a sudden the play dropped off, and I was even making fun of it saying, you know, all the power was in his hair. You know, he shouldn't have cut his hair, but, I mean, whatever. The play is what's concerning. The play to me right now is what's concerning. The team has clearly lost faith faith in Coach Anthony Lynn. 
Again, I said it before. I like Anthony Lynn as a guy. I think he's a very, very stand-up dude. But, I mean, he's got to go. It's time. Uh, there's there's nothing left that I can do to, 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 to defend what he does on the field. I mean, every in-game call, every clock management situation, um, whatever he does, it's just, it's just the wrong move. And, and and it's starting to translate on the field, especially with your star talents, with this rookie who has just been playing phenomenal football in Justin Herbert. I'm still playing him. I think this is a must, must start for Justin Herbert. I think he is going to want to show something. I think the the Chargers, they have a lot more pride than than what we give them credit for. I mean, the Chargers are 3-9, and nine, Falcons 4-8, and eight, playoffs are done. This is just all about pride in general. Who is better of the toilet bowl? feeders i mean what else can i say who is better julio jones is not in this contest so that that is a little bit of a sidestep for atlanta they do get todd Gurley back i put todd down as a potential big day player only because he didn't have an injury designation um this week he has been seeing far fewer touches over the last several weeks to kind of get his knees back into some form i mean this is going to be a problem for the rest of todd Gurley's career i mean the arthritic knee condition that he possesses is is not gonna go away it it is a constant problem for him Um, now it's about managing his reps if he is in the league playing for a team i like this game only because the chargers cannot stop the run if you have todd Gurley, it is a risk okay if it if it if, if uh, Todd Gurley only sees 10 carries for 45 yards, no touchdowns, you can't blame me for that because it's a risk. I'm telling you that. But the, the, the upside here, the upside for Todd Gurley in this contest is extremely, extremely high. We could see the 17 carries, you know, 95, one or two touchdowns. We could. I mean, it's not out of the question whatsoever. I do like Russell Gage as well. Clearly, uh, Calvin Ridley is, is a must play every week. But Russell Gage, he is going to see the target share simply because I mean they're they're getting depleted at the wide receiver position in the in terms of depth. Uh, Hayden Hurst is a decent play as well. I don't dislike that whatsoever. Clearly, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, fire up all the all the studs. We know this, but I mean in the last what I think it was three games. Uh, I think I saw one of my one of my buddies told me he said. Uh, Justin Herbert, or no, the Atlanta Falcons, that's what it was. The Atlanta Falcons have given up an average of like 23-point-some points to fantasy quarterbacks over the last three weeks. So, I mean, the floor is extremely safe for Justin Herbert to have a very good day. Even though the Atlanta Falcons defense, this is kind of what scares me about this one because the Falcons defense has been playing a lot better under Raheem Morris since he took over as the interim head coach for uh, Coach Quinn. Um, so that kind of worries me a little bit, but I, it, it's not enough to suggest that it's not going to be a much better showing. I think last week what happened to the Chargers was just, you know, disaster at its finest. All the all the chips were down and then everything fell into place for the opposition. I think that's pretty much what it went. I'm, I'm taking the Chargers plus two points in this contest. I think they, uh, they bounce back and they find the way to finally win a game. I mean, it's been just disastrous. Next one we have is the New Orleans Saints taking travel to Philly, the city of brotherly love, favored by seven points to face the Eagles. The story, man, we saw this all week. The The storyline was the benching of Carson Wentz for, for rookie Jalen Hurts. You know, what do they do offensively? This is the last-ditch effort for Coach Doug Pedersen to save his job, for Howie Roseman, the general manager, to save his job. 
you got to feel for him, okay? But only only for for a slight moment because I think a lot of blame has to go on this coaching staff. I mean, I've spoken a lot about this with uh, my guest EJ from Sojash. He is a massive Philly fan, okay? And he he breaks it down 100% all the time when it comes to the Eagles. But when I have clearly watched this team over the past five weeks, it has just been a steady decline. It has been vanilla play calling through and through offensively. You can't run the ball. Your offensive line is in complete shambles. You lost uh, Jason Peters this week as well. It's likely he's done for the year. I mean, you have literally nobody able to block for Carson once. What do you really expect this man to do? What is it? So then on top of that, now you're saying, okay, well, we'll insert Jalen Hurts, this rookie quarterback from Oklahoma, who was good in Oklahoma. Okay, we'll give him that. But he wasn't touted as a highly ranked prospect at the quarterback position. Yes, they took him in the second round, but he wasn't highly touted. I mean, come on. He he was a uh, cast off from, from Alabama, went to Oklahoma. And, and I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, Tua took over his job, fine or however it went down. I can't remember exactly the quarterback situation, but I think it was in that realm. And and he left. And and so this this is this is what I'm saying. I'm I'm very concerned for what they're going to do to Jalen Hurts in this contest simply because the New Orleans Saints defense is one of the best in the entire NFL. Okay, the the addition, and I said it, I believe, last week, the addition of Quan Alexander to the Saints defense was was a stroke of magnificent genius, magical conjunction. This 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 allows this defense to now rush with four. And now your secondary with your linebackers can can take care of the rest of the field. That is how good Quan Alexander is for this defense. Okay, and now you have no offensive line rookie passer playing his first NFL start. You have no running game. Miles Sanders is trying and they're curtailing his carries and touches. You're not even so. Here's my thing. If I'm Coach Doug Pedersen, I would implement the short pass game, the screen game. You have to roll out Hurts in this contest to to avoid pressure. That's the only way you're going to compete. The only way. And when we're talking about rolling out, if we see Jalen roll out more often than not, why weren't you doing this with Carson Wentz? I don't understand it. You left Carson Wentz in the pocket. He stood in the pocket and took this punishment for the entire season. This is going to be my outcry for for all the Carson Wentz haters. If Hurts, uh, Hurts is going to be rolling out of the pocket more often than not in this contest, I want to know why the hell the, uh, Coach Pedersen didn't do that with, with Carson Wentz at all this season because that is a disservice to the man. As it comes for the New Orleans Saints, Taysom Hill, I mean, this is I found this very interesting. Nine straight wins and nobody's talking about the New Orleans Saints like they're a top contender for the Super Bowl how is that possible nine wins in a row you lose Drew Brees and you don't miss a beat with Taysom Hill yeah it's a different way of running the offense yeah it's more ground heavy yeah it's Taysom taking off like Tim Tebow but I mean they're winning games they're nine games in a row this team is very well put together. Like I said before, you go all the way back to the offseason. They were my my top choice to reach the Super Bowl from the NFC, and I'm still with it. I really am. Drew Brees is on his way back from the injured reserve. He should be ready to go next week, if not the week after, depending on how it goes. I think I, from what I heard and what I saw, uh, Drew Brees is likely to be back next week, healthy and ready to go. Seven points uh, against this Eagles team who is decimated with no depth and injury. Hell yeah, I'm taking the seven points all the way to the bank. I love it. I am not even questioning it whatsoever. 
Moving right along, the Washington football team coming off their big win, defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers, the undefeated Steelers. They take them down on, uh, I believe, what was it, Monday night, Monday afternoon, Monday night football, wherever you were, time zone-wise. They played fantastic on the defensive side of the ball. I, we knew this. I mean, I've been saying this for, for basically the entire season. This front seven of the Washington football team is fabulous. Chase Young, rookie, he is a dynamo. He is a beast. I mean, this 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 defensive front is going to be a nightmare for offenses in the coming years. I mean, if they can keep these guys together, uh, you're going to see how dominating they truly are. If they can add more pieces to the secondary, add some more linebackers, I mean, this is going to be a scary, scary unit, aka Pittsburgh, Baltimore level. Like, that's where I'm going with this defense. I think they are that talented. They take travel to San Francisco to face the 49ers coming off that loss to the Bills. Also on Monday night, the the Niners right now are favored by three and a half points. I think I caught this under three points. Um, But I mean, okay, so you get Washington coming in high, beating an undefeated. This is a prime letdown contest. It really is. The the 49ers, they they I don't want to say got embarrassed by the Bills, but they they got they got a took to them. Um they took it really hard. Um the Bills were just on point. They were able to to kill that zone coverage that the 49ers constantly ran and then when they tried to move to the man coverage it was even worse Josh Allen was just picking them apart but they don't have that in Washington they got Alex Smith the the game manager it's a revenge game for Alex Smith going back to San Fran it's a revenge game for Jordan Reed going back to Washington so I mean, so many good storylines in this contest. This is a game. I mean, what do we really think about the 49ers? They're five and seven. They're they're dwindling playoff hopes right now. Uh, but again, they're a club that you know if they had all the talent on the field and they weren't in the injured reserve. What did I see? The stat it was like eighty million dollars of player salary is sitting on injured reserve for the 49ers right now. I mean, how can you win like that? And they're still trying to compete. Kyle Shanahan is 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 one of the better coaches in this league. I love how he continues to make guys like Nick Mullins look good. Um, but I, 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 when we're talking about will the Washington football team win this game, it, it's going to be tough. I mean, Alex Smith, again, he's got to get Terry McLaurin involved. Now that Antonio Gibson is is out, he's going to likely be out for the next several weeks to that turf toe injury. Um, so now you have makeshift uh, backfield with Peyton Barber, J.D. McKissick. It's going to be tough sledding against this defense. I mean, especially against the front they're still a very talented group they're going to bring the pressure on Alex Smith all day long I really question if they're going to be able to do it I like Debo Samuel in this contest we saw what Ben Roethlisberger was able to do going short so there is going to be plays that are going to be had had a question on Twitter uh one of one of the 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 supporters that was asking who do you like do you like Debo this week I like Debo a lot this week I think 22 targets over the last two games for this man I think it's going to be force fed Brandon Ayuk is starting to come into his own he's looking very very solid. So the tandem together, and you know, Jordan Reed, okay, he can get hurt on any play, but I, I like revenge games, period. I mean, okay, Jordan Reed is a is a is a band-aid that could find his way to injury any given play, but I mean I like it. I think that 
a lot of the teams know this. They make a conscious effort to feed the players going up against their former clubs. I like Jordan Reed a lot in this game as well. Um, the run game is going to be very difficult. If, if San Fran cannot get the run game going, it might be a tough, tough sled, tough road, like we saw with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers had no run game, and and Washington's defense just took over, and and it was just they left nothing over the top. It was everything underneath, and and perhaps we see the same thing. And but Nick Mullins, he's kind of a gunslinger. I mean, uh, you can't you can't hate the guy. He's he definitely tries. Um, but I I still think the 49ers pull this one out. It's going to be tough road, uh, tough sled, and uh, Alex Smith versus a very stout defense. Um, we'll see. I mean, he was able to do it against the Steelers last week as the game wore on. I mean, Pittsburgh's defense kind of looked like they took the foot off the gas. That's kind of what let him in because they kept him in check uh, for most of the game. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I like the 49ers in this game as well. I think they're going to come out victorious. Sunday night football, the Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia in the house. Bills are back on prime time facing those Pittsburgh Steelers coming off their defeat, being uh, dropped out of the undefeated category. Buffalo, man, Buffalo. Let me take a minute, Bills Mafia, to talk about my Bills. I'm removing the fandom. I really am. When I talk about my team on this show, it is all analyst speak. It is, okay? I take all my fan bias out because I've, I've talked a lot of crap about my Bills in the past when they aren't showing me anything that they should be. But now's the time to be happy as a Bills fan. We had witnessed, I think, the best game of Josh Allen's career on Monday night last Monday. He was supremely efficient. He was fantastic. That throw he made, and I've and I've watched this game twice as well. I went back and watched this game twice because I wanted to see if I missed something or if I was just overshooting everything, and I truly wasn't. Um, the game plan was was superb, number one. The efficiency from Josh Allen, like I just said, was awesome, just awesome. That throw he made to Gabriel Davis, rookie Gabriel Davis, in the tightest of windows, perfect throw right over the outstretched arms of Fred Warner, the linebacker, right in the breadbasket of Gabe Davis. And you give the credit to Gabe Davis for having that concentration. He couldn't see that ball when it was coming, and it just it landed right in his breadbasket. Fabulous play. They finally got Devin Singletary integrated into this offense a little bit more. I, the, the biggest concern for this Bills team for me is the run game. If they can't find the run game, I think that tends to show their struggle a little bit more. The reliance on Josh Allen to carry the offense, then maybe a turnover comes into play here. A mistake tends to happen. Um, I think that the Bills would be much better if, if they can't run to recreate it in the screen game, recreate it in the short pass, and that's kind of what we're seeing a little bit more with Cole Beasley. Now smoke John Brown as he's been out. I mean, they've had to manufacture offense in other ways, and we're seeing it. Josh Allen was spreading the ball all over the field. I mean, he hit every target. I believe every guy got a, got a catch in that offense last last week, and I mean, this is what I kind of want to see. If you're looking for a safe fantasy play this week against the Steelers defense, you can't go wrong with Cole Beasley whatsoever. Stephon Diggs is going to draw Joe Hayden, the top cover corner on the club. So, I mean, do I believe uh, uh, Diggs is, is going to see lesser uh, uh, performance, lesser of a performance? I could. I really could. Um, Joe Hayden has just been that good. But, but I mean... Uh, 
Stefan Diggs has been basically unguardable this season as well. Every contest he's played in, he's shown out, he's played very well. But but Cole Beasley right now is that and I and it's high praise. I said it on another show as well. It's high praise, but it's it's starting to form into that same realm of the Tom Brady Wes Welker type of connection. It's not there yet. So I mean, don't don't quote me in saying that I'm I'm comparing the two just yet. I'm not, but it's it's starting to move into that direction where he is just the safest of slot-wide receivers in the entire NFL. Cole Beasley does not have a single dropped pass this season. Think about that, okay? And the, the production continues to rise. The production continues to move forward. When Smoke comes back from injury, we'll see how this offense kind of shifts. But that was the biggest question mark. When John Brown went down the first time, this offense went went a little bit sideways, went backwards. And now, you know, he goes down again, and they, they figured it out. I mean, uh, kudos to Coach Brian Dable. He's he's just throwing out uh, massive uh, uh, adjustments and schemes for this offense. Just fabulous. Josh Allen, though, I mean, he's playing with the utmost of confidence. Nothing is rattling this man. And what what we saw in that contest was the coming out party, in my opinion. I think now he can be considered one of the better quarterbacks in the entire NFL if this is the consistent play. If this is the staple moving forward where we see it on a week-in, week-out basis, statistics uh, you know, falling up and down, whatever, but if we see this type of, uh, not only efficiency, I'm, I'm lost for words tonight, this sucks, um, uh, but if we see this level of play, this consistency, this level of play go, I think Josh Allen is going to have a very good career. Baltimore, on the other hand, I mean, they get uh, James Conner back, that's a big sign for them. Buffalo still has issues stopping the run. They got Matt Milano back. That was a big one. Um, but I think James Conner, if he is healthy, if he is fresh, clearly he's missed the last two weeks, so he should have fresh legs. I think he'll kick off the rust a lot. I think uh, Pittsburgh will attempt a great deal of, of run plays. I think they're they if they try to throw this ball 40 times, I think it's going to be another um, difficult day for not difficult. That's the wrong word as well. I think it's going to be an easier game plan for the Buffalo Bills to dissect simply because the the, the defensive secondary is that good. They they are very good. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I think the run game gets into play. I think they're going to watch the film on the Bills' defense. They are still not the best club when it comes to stopping the run at the moment, so that will open up the play-action pass, and then that's when you're going to see the shots be took by Ben Roethlisberger. That's where we could see them gash the Buffalo Bills' defense at times. Um, so that's kind of the formula that I think is going to go. I still took the Bills in this contest. At home, I think that they can, if they pull this out, I mean, you're going to see national media start talking about the Buffalo Bills as a potential contender for the Super Bowl. That's how far it's going to go. If they lose this game, then it's going to be like, yeah, they're good, but you know, they can't win the big one just yet. And I think that is the step the Buffalo Bills, if they want to be taken seriously, they need to take this and they need to win this game at home in primetime on Sunday Night Football. Finishing this thing off on week 14 with Monday Night Football. The Baltimore Ravens get back into primetime. I mean, they completely derailed everything with the scheduling, right, because of COVID. But they're back in primetime again. I believe this is the third straight week we've seen them on primetime. And they're taking on the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Baltimore was, I think I got them at minus one point. So basically a pick contest. And... I mean, it's 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 hard not to get excited for the Cleveland Browns after what we saw Baker Mayfield do in the first quarter last week. He threw those four touchdown passes. 
that is not the standard in uh, Cleveland, people. It, let's let's be serious, okay? That was a game plan that was masterfully perfected by Coach St- Kevin Stefanski. This team is a ground and pound team. This team is a ground uh, running game first. This team plays very solid defense. Okay, they're they're not in the elite category just yet in my eyes, but they're they're ascending. They're definitely ascending. Miles Garrett, we've talked about him before. He's just a beast. He's an animal. One of the better ends, uh, defensive ends in the entire NFL. He he de- disrupts so many things. But you're okay. You're playing in Cleveland. I I mean that is a that is a leg up for sure. Cleveland Browns are nine and three. Baltimore is seven and five. This is another must win contest for the Baltimore Ravens. Again, I was so disappointed with Lamar Jackson and his passing ability. I mean, this is not going well for this offense. You don't have the wide receiver talent, so that's kind of where I'm. I'm sitting now. I really am sitting on this one um, because. I want to give him a little bit of a pass in the passing department because he really truly only has Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. Everything else is patch made solutions. You know you can upgrade on everything. Why they don't use rookie Devin Duvernay is beyond me. You could open up the short game uh, that way to give him confidence to go deep to, to Hollywood. I don't know why that's not being done whatsoever. That's a question you got to ask Coach Harbaugh because I really don't understand it. The defense is still playing lights out, and the last time these teams played the Ravens, I believe it was week one, the Ravens took it to the Browns. Do we believe Baker Mayfield is this star quarterback on the rise after that showing? I need to see more. I'm not doubting Baker Mayfield. I think he's a fine quarterback. He's not great at this point. I mean, he's just in that above-average category that he can play uh, the way he did, the four-touchdown performance. We, we, can, we can see that, Baker, but then we can see Baker fall backward, and, and, and that's the problem with Baker Mayfield to me right now. Uh, there is no consistency. There is no dedication to him being that top guy um, that, that, that runs this offense. It's, it's Nick Chubb. It's Kareem Hunt that run this offense. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think the ground game, they're going to try to control the clock. I think if Baker gets into a pass-happy mode where he's going to uh, – if that is the game plan and they get into a pass-happy mode where they're going to try to beat the Ravens through the air, I think that's a mistake. I think they're going to make him pay for that. Um but, I mean, as for the Ravens, I mean, their run game has been up and down this season. The commitment to their run game hasn't been there all season. <sighs> Lamar Jackson is the question mark at this point. I mean, turning the ball over, missing passes. He missed some some throws in a, in a horrible fashion last week. I mean, it was it was just terrible what we saw. If he can finally improve that, then you know what I'll I'll change my tone, but I I need to see it at this point. It's a it's a complete regression from the system. Last year, the difference to this year it was it was dedication to the ground game. They ran the ball almost 600 times in 2019. It is not even going to come close to that in 2020, and that limits what Lamar can uh, can do on the RPOs. Um, straight up. That's all. That's all I can say. And and it's it's being proven on the field of play. So unless they clean that up, I I think that the Ravens will be what they are this season. Do I see them beating uh, Cleveland? I I do. And and I think the record is still. I, I I'm gonna eat my words. Okay, I did say that the Cleveland Browns were at that point. I think six and three. They were the worst six and three team in the in in the NFL. Okay, and I'll and I'll eat those words a little bit because they're 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 winning ball games and and it's difficult to win games in the NFL. So I can't take that away from them. 
but the competition hasn't been fierce for the Browns. Yes, they are extremely balanced. They, that might be the best uh, positive I can give the Cleveland Browns is that they are extremely balanced overall as an entire roster. That is what is allowing them to win these games, okay? Even if they're close games, they're, they're edging them out. You know, you get the Baker Mayfield blow up, they're winning that game. You know, they get a couple turnovers, they're winning that game based on the ground. Nick Chubb finishes them off. That's kind of what we're seeing with the Cleveland Browns, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. There isn't. I mean, it's not sexy. It's it's not the, the, the way a lot of teams, it's not the Kansas City Chiefs, right? But there is multiple ways to win in this league, and the Browns are definitely finding ways to do it. Will I be surprised if the Baltimore or if the uh, Cleveland Browns win this game? No. I will not be uh, surprised or shocked whatsoever, but I still believe that they're not quite there yet. I think that the Ravens have still a little bit more juice than the Browns, and I think they're going to win on Monday Night Football, keeping their playoff hopes alive, and then the questions will start to come. Are uh, is Cleveland for real? Will they be able to to do anything in the postseason? I think that's going to be the narrative that will be pushed, and 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 so be it. But I think that they're they're still a very sound club, and I'm I'm not going to hate them. I, I'm going to retract my previous statement of saying that they are the worst team with a, this type of a winning record. I'm gonna I'm gonna now morph that into they are a very balanced unit, and and I got to give them credit where credit is due. That's for sure. So, I mean, that is week 14. I mean, we got a great uh, bunch of games to, to, to watch and to, to dissect and evaluate. I can't wait. I'm excited. Fantasy football playoffs, good luck to you all. I, I'm, I'm fighting with you. I'm riding with you all the way to the championship. I want my trophies as well. I'm in multiple playoffs this year as well. So, hopefully, uh, everything works out for you. Good luck. Go, uh, go and read the articles. Hopefully, they give you help and they provide you the assistance to win your games to get that trophy on your mantle. Uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll close it out there. So, on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And until next time, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out. <laughs>